Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. And welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Anything new? Not tremendously. Just getting a, a new water filtration system put into my house, so I'm dropping some G's right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, my, uh, my sister had to go through that last year, so I, I totally feel your pain on that one. I know yeah. it can be kind of a bummer. I'm looking forward to non-rusty water, though. So, right. Well, that's a pretty good segue into what our feature is going to be this week. We're going to meet up with Aaliyah Kidd, uh, who's a recent homeowner in Door County, and we're going to kind of talk about the housing situation, what it was like to search for housing, and, and what challenges you might find if you're looking for a home up here or a place to rent, and so on and so forth. Yeah, some of the things that are very unique to Door County that if you're coming from a different market, you come in here and look for a house. It's a it's a much different search. But before we get into our feature, we have a couple things uh, for this week to take care of. First, and maybe most importantly, uh, there's been a change of plan for the highway reconstruction project, at least the dates around Fish Creek's portion of it. So what changed? Yeah, right after we thought everything was kind of coming into focus there with the reconstruction of Highway 42 through Fish Creek, Ephraim, and into Sister Bay for next spring and next fall. Well, now it's this spring. Right after the new year, we got notice that that's all changing. So in Fish Creek, which had been scheduled to have all this major work done in March, April, May, and June of this spring, including like a hard closure of Highway 42 around the Gibraltar school area, now that it's been flipped. They got the bids back and the bids came in very high and they didn't get a lot of people bidding on it. And when I say they, I'm talking about the Wisconsin Department of Transportation that bids these out. And so what they've decided to do is put it back out to bid as two separate projects. So they're splitting it into basically the resurfacing portion that goes from roughly the Door County YMCA in Fish Creek north all the way up to Sister Bay. And then that would be a spring project. And the major reconstruction of the highway from the bottom of the Fish Creek Hill by um, Hydeside Boutique all the way through town and around the school where they're doing the, the new medians and some sewer work and storm, storm drainage work, that would be done in the fall of 2019. So let's, let's break this down. Uh, briefly for for this portion of it. Uh, like, like I've mentioned before, we're going to do a full podcast on the highway reconstruction project as soon as we have as many details as we possibly can get. And and as we're as we've seen whatever looks as close to the final plan, because I think right businesses are very confused right now. Right. So let let's let's talk about how it was set and like where it started, where it ended, and the timeline originally and now how it's changed. So originally it was going to start right around the entrance to Peninsula State Park in Fish Creek. No, no, it was actually, it's always been slated to start at the bottom of the Fish Creek Hill by Hindside Boutique. That will all be torn up through Fish Creek. What was starting at the, the entrance to Peninsula State Park is where they were going to put the hard closure, which meant 
you wouldn't be able to continue north. It wouldn't even be like flagging operations there. You would just, you'd have to detour all the way around that. So we're going from bottom of the hill all the way up through Sister Bay. That was planned to start in March of this year, correct? correct. Yep. And that would go to early June. Is that yeah. what they were planning? Basically through, that was all supposed to go until the 4th of July. And at, at the 4th of July, they would stop all work for the rest of the summer and then pick it up again after Labor Day. And then in the fall, it was slated to be weekdays only and then roads open on the weekends. Okay, so the things to consider here are the, the busy seasons. How are we keeping the, the flow of, of traffic going to businesses throughout Fish Creek, Ephraim, and Sister Bay? You know, not, not just in the summer portion of the year, but also the fall and the shoulder seasons too. We have, we have significant traffic during fall festivals and stuff like that. The new plan kind of changes that idea. So, so rather than keeping everything you know, closing in the beginning and end of the year, they're pushing all work towards the fall season. Is that correct? No. So there will still be spring work, but that will just be the work that's north of Fish Creek. And it, the plan is not finalized yet. They've just put it back out to bid. So it's kind of like vague parameters right now. So when they say they're going to do the, the Fish Creek, like the downtown Fish Creek portion in the fall, they don't specify if by fall they mean late fall, say after Fall Fest, or if they mean... September 4th, like that we start tearing stuff up. So that's the big question mark now for the town of Gibraltar and the business owners in Fish Creek and the business owners north of there because it affects basically everyone north of, of Fish Creek is affected in some way because they got to make sure customers know how to find them and get to them. And if there are detours or major construction or delays in Fish Creek, you're going to want to let your customers know that. And right now, the DOT has always had a commitment in their past projects, and they say the same thing now to disrupt the tourism season as little as possible. So if that is what they're doing, I would imagine that they're not going to do the hard closure during the, f the first six to eight weeks of the fall next, next year. I would imagine maybe they'd be doing prep work and the, the resurfacing stuff that they can do, maybe working some of the other beautification projects that Fish Creek has going on into that. But I can't imagine that they would put a hard closure in effect during fall weekends in September and October, because I think you'd have just, the business owners would just be really, really ticked off because the months of September and October are far more valuable than the months of March, April, and May, and even the first half of June. Right. I mean, those, those fall weekends are massive income generators, and even fall weekdays are much busier than those spring weekdays. So I can't imagine that they would disrupt all of that. So maybe what they're looking at is, and this is all speculation on my part, is doing something toward late October and November. And then spring of 2020, maybe that's when they're going to do the hard closure by the school where they do the medians. But that's, that's just what makes sense in my head as having seen how the DOT has worked in the past and, and seeing how they would probably not want to deal with business owners just losing their minds on them. Right. So uh, one more one more round of I'm going to pretend and make assumptions and then you correct me. Um, <laughs> why do this during the, the summer or the fall? Why do it when, you know, we're the most busy? Well, that's, that's a good question because I've seen this before and I know why they do it. And then I forget that a lot of people don't understand. Like it, sometimes in the articles I write, I don't answer that question for people. And because I kind of assume that people would know that. But the reason is you just can't do construction work in the wintertime right. on highways. You're talking about um, 
a lot of pavement and concrete and things that you just can't, when it's 10 degrees out, you, you just can't reliably lay that all down. And you have frozen ground, you have the frozen permafrost. There's just a lot of different factors that come into play. And then you have the weather conditions. So if it's, if you've got a blizzard, you can't work and it's, it's tough to mobilize a whole crew to then come up here and then have to, oh, we can't do anything for three days because of snow and, and then you got right. clearing roads. And if the roads are all torn up and you're trying to clear them, there's just so many factors. And even though right now it's been a pretty mild winter, so you probably could have been doing work, but you can never predict that. And you can't really plan based on right. that. So essentially December through February, you, it's really hard for anyone to plan on doing any sort of road work. Right. And there's probably much smarter people who give you the real specifics of, of why why it doesn't work to do it in the winter time. Just really get specific and detailed on the, the temperature thing, but that's the, the general answer for that. Right. So there there are only so many months that we actually can do the work. And right yeah. now the process is trying to figure out what's going to be the 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 least challenging for businesses. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one final question on this before we, we kind of wrap up. Do we have a timeline for when uh, the second bid is going to come back or do we have a timeline for when, you know, things are going to start moving forward more concrete? The release that they sent did not include any information on that. Um, I would guess, I mean, they originally started, slated this stuff to start in March, which, you know, kind of crept up on us quick. You're only talking a couple months from now now. So that might be why it's looking at a delay into April and May. But yeah, as of right now, don't know um, specifics on that. I do know that Ephraim approved a contract for their portion that they are doing separate from the DOT because they're doing a, a stretch in downtown Ephraim where they're doing sidewalks and, and storm sewer and um, curb and gutter. Right. And that section got approved Monday. So that that should lead to the DOT being able to release a little more information on how they're going to work detours around Ephraim pretty soon. You know, one other thing, factor in this is, and we've talked about this before with businesses in Fish Creek had realized, okay, it's going to be a rough spring. There are a couple that have opened up sister locations elsewhere in the county. There are some that just planned other ways of making money to, and planned on closing down their business for those two months. Like O'Meara's Irish shop, which was going to be stuck in the middle of the hard closure. Um, Megan O'Meara had planned these trips to Ireland to try and offset the revenue loss and try and get a couple more tours going where she leads guided tours to Ireland. Right. And now if they're flipping that, now she's going to lose the fall instead, possibly, depending on how they work this all out. And she already did what a smart business owner does. Like she didn't throw up her hands and just whine about it. She's like, all right, I'm going to have to find a way to work around this long-term. It's going to be better. It's going to be painful now. So she did that already. And now this comes down and it's like, you know, that's remains to be seen with the DOT. Right. about that probably nothing right uh any other takeaways about this before we move on do we do we know uh if portions of ephraim are going to be inaccessible during their their part of the they will project? have they will have some hard closures according to brent bristol the administrator in ephraim their work i don't believe is as substantial as what they're talking about on the hill in fish creek so probably not as long for those and maybe it's like couple days here, a couple days there. I, I can't say that for sure because they've been waiting on these bids and what that firm comes back with. And it would be smaller stretches. And again, like Ephraim, there are easy ways around it because they have back roads. Fish Creek just doesn't have any back roads. Right. Well, all I know is I better be able to get my soup in Ephraim. If I can't get to my <laughs> soup. I do have a reflective vest in my car so I can don that and walk yeah, through so the construction to get to my soup <laughs> uh, as long as Paul opens up. Yeah. <laughs> 
So why don't we move on to a little bit of extra stuff that's coming up for... Is it going to be included in this week's issue of the poll? Yes. Yep. Okay, great. Um, so we're going to have new columns from the DCVB and the DCEDC. Yeah, and that is the, for those not just familiar with acronyms, Door County Visitor Bureau and the Door County Economic Development Corporation. Each issue of the Pulse Now, one of those two organizations will be contributing columns to help keep people up on the major industry. Like tourism, obviously, is the the driving industry of Northern Door County and a substantial industry in, in Southern Door County. And then uh, Door County Economic Development Corporation just does a lot of things to drive the manufacturing sector and industrial sector of, of Door County, particularly with the industrial park in Sturgeon Bay, but also a business incubator and revolving loan front fund for small businesses and bringing in programming and information to people to help them find ways to finance business expansion, to look for tax credits, to get employees here, people on J-1 visas, all that stuff um, involves them. So we wanted to give them a forum to let people know what they're doing and what's coming up, what they're working on, and and kind of get more information out to that business community. Right. So in this issue, we have a column from the Door County Visitor Bureau, which just released their 2019 visitor guide. Uh, it's got a little information about that and a few of the other programs that they have going on that, that people may want to take advantage of, like the Certified Tourism Ambassador Program and a few other things. And then next week, we start with columns from the Door County Economic Development Corporation. Yeah, I think that that's an awesome idea because before I started working at Peninsula Filmworks, I really didn't know much about either organization. Yeah. Um, now that I've been able to work kind of hands-on with both of them, it, it's been really cool to see what the Visitor Bureau does in terms of marketing Door County and, and how broad that scope is, how they're funded, those kinds of things. Um, same with the DCEDC, getting to to know more about, uh, we, we put together their awards video. So getting to see kind of a list of the entrepreneurs of the year, the, the small businesses of the year, those kind of things are really interesting because you you get a whole different side to what makes our community run. Yeah, you've probably been inside some business because we do little videos of those industry of the year folks and, and we go inside some of these businesses and you get introduced to, especially in the manufacturing sector, like, wow, you can't believe some of this stuff is done in Door County. Right. And for all intents and purposes, like some of these places shouldn't be getting it done here. And in a lot of ways, it might be easier for them to do it in another community um, closer to rail or air travel and stuff like that. But they're dedicated to this community to take, you know, your Thermotronics and your Hatcos and things like that. You know, the, the average person, unless you work there, probably never sets foot in there. So this is a good avenue for DCDC to get a little more of that information out there. And, you know, in the case of the Door County Visitor Bureau, one of the favorite pastimes of businesses up here is to complain about what's not being done for them, you know. And sometimes you don't realize the full scope of what they're doing at any given moment, where they're advertising, uh, bringing travel writers into the county. And hopefully this will give them an avenue to make sure more people realize that. I know when I was uh, a restaurant owner 20 years ago, I would... I was one of those who, were, who would complain a lot, but the Visitor Bureau has a lot more resources today and they do a lot more things than they did 15, 20 years ago when they had a budget of about $250,000. So. Right. Well, and, and even beyond, like kind of going back to what you were saying, we had the opportunity to interview a bunch of businesses that support the Visitor Bureau and one of the overwhelming sentiments that we heard was, even though 
we might not physically utilize every element or everything that the, that the Bureau has to offer, just knowing that Door County is being promoted and the Bureau is bringing people into the county, that is a net gain for everybody. The more people right. that are here, the better our businesses are going to do. Even if I'm not specifically being featured in a social media post or uh, a section of an, an email blast or something like that, I know that the, when people come to the county, they're more likely to come to my spot. And a lot of businesses don't realize a lot of the things that the Visitor Bureau and the DCEDC might do. And it, it would be a bad thing if local businesses did know all of that because that meant they were probably marketing to the wrong people because their information should be outreach to bring people here, which means that we don't see the billboards in Milwaukee and Chicago. We don't see the visitor guides going all over the country. We don't see the advertisements on television, on streaming, on Hulu and things like that, that are outside the market. You know, they should be going, they should be out there. So this is a way for them to at least kind of let people know a little bit more about those other things going on. Right. So why don't we take a break here, Miles? And then when we come back, we're going to be joined by Aaliyah Kidd, and we're going to get into our discussion about housing in Door County. All right. They call themselves the Stradivarius Builders of Sturgeon Bay because the guys at Palmer Johnson were artists in wood and metalwork, anything you imagine. They did it so beautifully well. The first fishermen came down the lake from Mackinac Island, or worked their way along the north shore of Lake Michigan, and they came because of the whitefish. The whitefish were abundant. In 1945, 2,000 German prisoners of war came to Door County and picked cherries for just one harvest season. Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to telling the stories of Door County, past, present, and future. To learn more about the history of shipbuilding in Sturgeon Bay, to see how the cherry became a Door County icon, or to watch the peninsula's last remaining fishermen brave the waters to haul in thousands of pounds of whitefish daily, and the many other incredible stories produced with the Door County Visitor Bureau, visit doorcounty.com slash ourdoorcounty. Okay, we are back and we are joined today by Aaliyah Kidd, the multimedia editor for The Pulse. How are you doing, Aaliyah? Doing good. So we wanted to kind of get together in a little roundtable to talk about housing in Door County. Uh, you are a new homeowner in Door County. When did you when did you move up and what was kind of your journey to finding your spot? So I first moved up in May and was lucky enough to have a family home to stay in while we were doing our home search process. But it did turn out to be a little bit longer of a process than we expected um, and ended up closing on our house end of November. So May through November is how long it took. And, and what were some of the challenges that you faced trying to find a place to live? Uh, well, at first, you know, you're just kind of exploring the different communities and figuring out where you'd like to actually be in the county. And our expectations were coming from a city destination, Madison, Wisconsin. So we are very familiar with how quick the market moved there um, and then had a harsh realization that things move pretty slow up here. So that was definitely a big learning uh, curve that we had to get used to. So things weren't moving fast and people weren't always ready to negotiate right away. So, right. Well, you know, when you say like moving slowly, that just popped a memory into my head of just like the in the city, there's like an urgency to respond just in the whole like offer process of when you're looking at houses, even real estate agents, I think, have a little more sense of urgency because they know things move quickly in a city. So 
It's like, get on it, check out that place. And in the rental market, it's like sign a lease as soon as you see the place or mm-hmm. you're going to lose it. But in, in real estate up here, things just move slower. The sellers, you, you might put in an offer and think, okay, they're going to jump at this encounter right away. And people will sit on it for that happened to me when I was searching for a house in the spring of 2017 that we're like, all right, we're motivated. We want a house on May 1st. We need to, to finalize something. And the people who were selling were, well, we're going to be on vacation. We really don't want to think about this right now. So we'll get back to you in, you know, whenever. And it took like 10 days. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that process gets pretty emotional too, because you're just anxious and you're waiting and, and you know, it's kind of a little bit of a roller coaster as you're, if you do put an offer and then you're waiting for that response and you don't know if you should get excited or not excited or keep looking. So, well, yeah. and I, I think that the the market is kind of interesting too, because there, there aren't a ton of neighborhoods in Door County. Houses are kind of spread out all over the place and different locations tend to create different types of houses. So the closer you get to towns, the more you find stuff that are kind of like, zoned for residential or commercial. And then you get a lot of places that used to be shops and are now kind of like, oh, well, there's a bedroom upstairs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like those kind of things. And also I've noticed that houses tend to stay on the market a lot longer here than in some other places. Like there are some places that that sit on the market for over a year and that seems to be pretty normal. Many, many years. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing we learned too is looking at what is listed and realizing it's been on the market for that long because they won't budge on the price. Right. And which is frustrating, too, because, I mean, obviously sellers a lot of the times aren't motivated to sell because it's either a second home or it's a vacation getaway. So they're not really losing much by not selling it at a lower price. Right. Yeah. And in a city market, you have a lot more people who are like, we own this home. We're putting it on the market because we're buying another one and we need to unload this one. So there's just that extra built in motivation where something is, you know, looking to move it within three to four months. Mm -hmm. And yeah, up here, it's just like, everything is sort of always for sale, and but it's not like I need to sell. Yeah, when we were looking, um, one of the things that we were trying to consider is if we wanted to try to build in any sort of like studio space or performance venue for our theater company. And we ended up finding a bunch of places kind of near town, those kind of half-zone commercial residential places. And, and one of the things that we considered was like, this would be great but it's got a parking lot attached to the house. So it's like, if we make a go of the business, that would be a good thing. But on the other hand, if we don't, then we have a parking lot yeah. in front of our house. And then the other the other thing is, when you're right on the side of the street, you run the risk, especially if it's a place that's been a business for a long time, you run the risk of people coming up and yanking on your, on your door mm-hmm. or hitting your doorbell and being like, oh, I used to come here every summer and now it's your house. And it's like, yeah, it's yeah. my house. So it's it's that kind of weird thing unless you you try to get away from the towns but then you run into other challenges too like my big thing and i know something that you're struggling with right now Leah, is internet access Mm -hmm. and finding out where you can get it because some places in door county have great internet access and then a lot of places have no internet access right that's definitely a part of the search that you need to consider and a lot of places we'd get excited about and then realize there's no way this place has internet access and it probably won't for another X amount of years, decades, who knows? Right. Um, so then you just kind of have to pass it up. But then there are other places where you can call and talk with the local internet providers and check and see if the houses do have potentially internet. 
which is also not always reliable, but right. until, until somebody comes out to your property. I mean, we, when we looked, my wife works from home, does calls with India and does a lot of webinars and stuff. So she has to have really good internet access all the time. And you're, Aaliyah, your husband Brody is kind of in a similar mm-hmm. boat. And when we were looking, it was a deal breaker. We we were fortunate. And I, I know a guy from Door County Broadband. He was able to look at our property and assess the situation. And if if he had not confirmed with me that we could get internet access there, we would have had to pass on the house. It would, that would have been the absolute deal breaker. So, mm-hmm. and that's, I think a lot of people moving up here, I've, I've written stories about this in the past where I've talked to homeowners who, if you come from the city, you just, at this point in time, like in Door County, people who live here know that internet could be sketchy depending on where you are or your cell phone reception. If you're below a bluff, you might have to leave your property to use your phone. But if you're coming from somewhere else, it's so ingrained that like, yeah, you wouldn't even ask in the sit in Madison, Milwaukee, Chicago, Green Bay, you probably don't even consider internet accessibility. It's not a question. It's just what packages are you going to get from the local cable provider? Right. Yeah, it, you you have you have so much more choice in a lot of other places, but like even I remember I haven't had to like be concerned about whether or not I'm going to have phone service since I was young and got my first cell phone and would go to my friend's house and be like, oh, you don't get service in your basement. That makes sense. But that hasn't been a thing for like 10, 15 years for me. In college, I had 100 megabyte per second internet all the time. So I was like set. Then I came up here and I have one megabyte per second internet. <laughs> and that it, it's enough to make sure that if anything goes wrong, I have internet. But I am, you know, paying more for my phone line to make sure that me and my wife have high-speed internet on our phones. So it, it, it's one of those weird things. And when we first signed up, we checked we checked everybody. We checked Charter, we checked Dark Honey Broadband. Nobody could give us access except for Frontier. But the way that Frontier works is they're like, you, you will pay for up to 10 megabytes per second, and we will deliver what we can. In my case, it's one megabyte per second. <laughs> um, but they also said... There is a, there's a port in your neighborhood, so you're eligible for internet, uh, but there's only one port. So because we have it, no one else in my, in, in my neighborhood gets to have internet from Frontier. Yeah. It, it's, there's just one connection, and it just happened to be open. So it, it's just it's a weird situation that you don't think of. I mean, right. I'll, I'll, anywhere else in the cities, I mean, that's just a given. And then you're like, well, does this place have fiber? Like, that's where the question comes in, not like can I use my devices at home? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, most of us are trying to unplug from cable and do the a la carte uh, entertainment services using Netflix and Hulu and all these different other op- options. It's almost getting to the point where it's like a utility because that's like the same delivery network that you need from your old TV providers. So when you look at like the, one of the major issues for Door County and attracting more people, especially younger folks like you two, if, if that's... That's a deal breaker, really. It, it just changes yeah. like all the things that you can use. And I know it's a concern for small businesses, too, who use Square or they use different, you know, facets of the Internet to run their business. And, you yeah. know, if, if their credit card reader isn't working, then they can't really sell or it's not a great experience. Right. So that's, you know, prohibiting some of that growth as well. Right. Well, and that, that's a, a good thing to bring up. I, you know, when my first summer up here, I worked right in the middle of Fish Creek. And we had really slow internet access that would run all of our computers and our credit card readers. When that internet would fail, which it did multiple times a day, it would have to switch to our backup, which was a dial-up connection. And then that would make a transaction take 
a minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. And that's just somebody waiting for you to hand them back their card. Mm -hmm. And they're wondering, well, did my card not read? What's going on? And it's like, no, it's just taking a minute to, to send it out because it has to, it has to actually connect through dial up to send it out. And, and that was right in the middle of Fish Creek. So it, it's summer. a concern. Yeah. Well, and I know a lot of people listen to this from who are locals and a lot of people who are not locals and who are visitors to Door County. And a lot of people who are visitors tend to think, well, but I go to Door County to relax. So internet's not a big deal. That connectivity, you've got to unplug. And if I were a visitor, I would love to unplug. But most of us don't have that luxury. We're actually right. trying to work and, and live and live our day-to-day lives. So not having that connectivity means you can't do your job. And if you're a, because most of us work at our houses part of the time too now, and if you have kids, anybody who has kids now knows how many internet-based projects that any child has to, to do throughout their, I mean, going down into elementary school. So you're at a great disadvantage if you, amongst competing with the other kids in your class if you don't have good access. Right, and let's hit that a little bit harder too because what you're saying is very true. A lot of schools nowadays uh, rent out tablets, iPads, laptops to their students so that they can do their homework. Uh, And it's not just, you know, like just being able to research things or do stuff like that. A lot of schools use things like Moodle or other like connected based things where the teacher can go in and assign uh, step things. Step back. What is Moodle? Okay. Mm-hmm. So Moodle is a uh, kind of like a dashboard where teachers can put their uh, like their their class activities, their homework, links to videos to watch, anything. You can put anything up on there. The, the syllabus is usually hosted on there. And it's just a way for the teacher to have everything that they want done for the whole course in one spot that the student can access at any time. So the student can see like, oh, this is what was scheduled for this week. This is what my homework is. This is pages of the book that I need to read. All of that stuff is on Moodle so that the teacher doesn't have to print out weekly schedules or print out homework to give. I mean, a lot of math classes have you doing daily problems and all of that is taken care of on a, on a service like Moodle. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have internet access at home, you can't do your schoolwork because more and more frequently, that's how things are being uh, delivered to you. For you guys, none of us have kids yet, but I'm guessing all of us plan to at some point. Um, How big a factor was school district? Was was that a factor for you? Were you trying to evaluate the school districts up here? Um, Or was it sort of like any school district is fine? Um, We were kind of first looking at where we would want to be located, but we were definitely taking that into consideration. The main areas, of course, were Gibraltar and then Sevastopol. And at that time, while we were looking, they were just going through the referendum. And there was a concern in the back of my mind is, what if they can't update their school? What if this is a school that Hmm. will eventually not be prioritized or fade away? Or, you know, the schooling goes downhill because, and yeah, when you buy a home and you're thinking, you know, it's great right now, but you got to think 10, 20 years in the future in that case. Um, And that obviously was a concern, but Gibraltar heard great things. I feel like they're progressing a little bit quicker, maybe. So that's it. That's an interesting standpoint because I, I hadn't even thought of that. But if you were buying at the time of that Sevastopol thing, because if if you thought that might fail and the school might not be there, say ten years from now, and you were buying near there, now you're now you're talking about well, are we commuting to take our kids to Gibraltar or are we going to Surgeon Bay? And what's what becomes our you know are we driving? 10 minutes to get them to Sevastopol or now 30 minutes to go in the other directions. Mm-hmm. When I was looking, I was a Gibraltar grad, so I was a little 
had that ingrained in my head a little bit when I was searching. But even as we looked to Northern Door, my, my wife would say like, well, this is a, this seems pretty affordable. It's only 15 minutes north of Sister Bay. And I, I would say like, Ellison Bay is nice. Gills Rock, it's great. But our kids, if we have them, will not have any parent, like any friends who want to come up and visit because the parents are going to be like, don't be, we, we'd rather you not become best friends with the kid from Ellison Bay because now we're going to have to drive you the extra 20 minutes every time you have a play date or something. Yeah. Right. So, and that's not like, it's not like people proactively segregate that way, but it is a factor in like, and you talk to any kid who grew up up there and you're just like, yeah, it was like a, a 40 minute drive to school is burden. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and it wasn't necessarily a factor in our first house, but it, it is something that we are considering as we look to maybe move. Uh, because the the house that we have now is great. And Aaliyah, you and I can talk a little bit about the challenges of buying a fixer-upper in mm-hmm. Door County. But we, if we're going to move, we would either move to Sister Bay or Sturgeon Bay just to have uh, a better sense of community and connection. Because um, right now you're in Egg Harbor, yes. like outside of the village. Right. Uh, we live north of the village of Egg Harbor in a neighborhood that, that's a really great neighborhood, and we have awesome neighbors, but they're all... They're all older couples. Um, so there's there's barely any young families in our neighborhood. There are no kids in our neighborhood at all. Yeah. Um, and and like I said, connection is 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 difficult. There's there's no internet access. Our cell phone service is fine. It's usable, but it's not great. So if we were gonna move, we would move up to Sister Bay or down to Sturgeon Bay. And then the question is, well, do we want our kids to go to Sturgeon Bay High School or do we want them to go to Gibraltar? And my wife and I have both done a lot of work at Gibraltar with the theater program. So we, we tend to want to go there. All of my friends graduated from Gibraltar and they, they recommend it. Um, but it is one of those things. It's like, do you want your kid to go to a smaller school or a bigger school? And, and what kinds of opportunities are they going to have afforded to them in, in either place? And we're fortunate up here in that you're, not, you're, you're judging that by some very niche preferences because the reality is all of the door counties, Southern Door, Sturgeon Bay, Gibraltar, Sebastopol, they're all really good schools, high-performing schools right. that offer a lot of the extracurriculars. Obviously, you, you may get more of those, actually, in Southern Door and Sturgeon Bay where they just have more kids, so you have some, some more diversity in like some of your athletics and extracurricular programming and even your school programming. So it's, it's nice that it's not like, well, this school is terrible. I can't live there because of x y and z at the school right so we're we're very fortunate compared to so many other people like i have friends in chicago who own homes in the city who are now going through the process of all right as the kids grow up and they they can go to elementary school but as they hit middle school do we got to think by which time do we need to either move to a district in the suburbs or plan to save and pay twenty thousand dollars a year thirty thousand dollars a year or more for private schooling like that's a we basically have at any of these schools, uh, close to the level of, of a great private school for public school money. Right. So, Ali, I talked about it a little bit, but maybe let's get into this. Finding a house for a, a young family that fits within a certain budget can be really difficult up here. And, and Really? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Um, the, the two of us were lucky in that we were able to get good deals on our houses, but with that came a lot of maintenance and upkeep and mm-hmm. renovation. So... Uh, maybe talk a little bit about what you guys have been doing so far, and then I can kind of share my story with me and my wife's house as well. Yeah. So when we were looking, we had our we had our first home in Madison to start. So we kind of knew what the whole house buying process was like. And we had that first home, which we weren't planning to stay in forever. 
So when we were looking up here, we were thinking more long-term and wanting something that could be a family home eventually and have enough space. So we were looking for something that was big enough um, and that we could make our own. However, a lot of those bigger, bigger houses were on that higher end of the market, so out of our price range. And then the ones that were more in our price range did require work. So right. we ended up finding one that was in really great shape, but definitely from the 70s. So good shape, good bones, maintained well, uh, just, you know, had the 70s carpets, the wallpaper, um, those excellent details, lots of wood paneling. Carpeted bathrooms. Carpeted bathrooms, nice. yes. So had all of those features, which... You know, obviously they're not deal breakers, but it does, if you want it to be the vision you're imagining in your head, you have to do all the work to change those things. Right. So, well, and, and you have to budget for that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times you're going to spend $10,000, if not more, just in cosmetic upgrades to a house like that. Yep. And so as, as me and my wife have kind of cursory glanced at the market over the last year or so, just kind of feeling things out, that is a, a thing. It's like, if we're going to buy a house, we're going to sell our house and then buy a house for the value of our house and it needs to be done. Like we need to be happy with it mm-hmm. because if we buy another house that needs another cosmetic remodel, it, it's the same process that we've been working through over the last couple of years and we just want to be done. We, we've we've gone through and we've changed a lot about our house right now, but it's it's something that it's like, okay, let's Let's wrap it up and be good, and then maybe we can sell it and move on to something that is done and we're happy with, rather mm-hmm. than being like, "Oh, this is a good fixer-upper," again. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, what what have been some of the 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 biggest challenges that you've faced in your remodel so far? Um, right now, we're trying to install a furnace, which is not cheap, especially in a house that needs duct work and all of that done. Um, it has electric baseboard at this point, which isn't terrible, but if you're living there year round in the winter, those electric bills do get pretty high. So we're looking at upgrading that. Um, and then also floors took down all the wallpaper, but there's some of those, we've been doing it a lot ourselves because again, we are lucky to have a place to stay while we're doing it. So we're trying to take advantage of that as much as we can without having to hire a, a ton of labor. Um, so it's just kind of having to be patient with that process and right. go room by room and eventually be able to move in. And from the pictures I've seen of what you guys have done so far, you are fortunate in that you and your husband are the kind of people that can look at something and have a vision for it and and then execute it. I don't have any of those skills to look at a room. <laughs> like, so I ended up buying something that was ready-made because <laughs> I, I thought I had this dream like, oh, yeah, I'd like to put my own work into it and I can be handy and I can... I'm I'm going to like to put my own stamp on my house. And I was totally sold on that idea. And now I'm totally sold on the idea that that would have been terrible. Right. We we also had to put in a new furnace. That was one of the first things that we did. But then our, our big challenges came from the fact that, like, again, house made in the 70s. Uh, it was just one area. And then they did a full, like, add-on project. So they added an upstairs and created a hallway and added a bunch of rooms. And in doing so, all the wiring is weird and like the heating is all weird and how that works. And the the previous owners were really handy and really DIY, but maybe not the most skilled at mm-hmm. what they were putting in. So while there's really cool things that have been done and really cool projects, each one of them has tremendous caveats to them that we had to to deal with in fixing. So for instance, outside there were a lot of uh, there's a lot of stonework that kind of creates paths around our property, which was really nice. But instead of buying those flat, like paver stones to make your pathways, he went 
around the county and just got as much limestone as he could in his truck and then did it himself. So to pick up those pavers, you have to get a shovel and dig the stone out of the ground. Mm -hmm. And we have just hundreds of boulders all over our yard (laughs) that we have to like dig up to do anything with. He, he put in these really, really nice cabinets in the kitchen, but he installed them himself. So they're crooked. And if you're looking, you can see where, you know, those things are. It's like the old pen pub. Right. All of That's the, before your time. But there used to be a pen pub. They would call it a little off center. And, it, and the bar that used to be there the, where the Peninsula Pub is now was like just like a leaning tower of Pisa kind of building. So. Right. The every room had a, a personal flair to it, but all like all the choices were so strange. Like our master bedroom had seafoam walls, a mint ceiling, and green carpets. <laughs> uh, and then downstairs, their daughter grew up in this fairy room that had glow in the dark fairies painted all over the walls. And you with, kept that? We we did for a bit. Uh, that was our guest room, uh, but we had to paint over that and change all of the carpets and and just all sorts of these little DIY things that had been done that were just done so strangely. Um, our heating is the same way. If you turn on the thermostat upstairs, it turns on the heat for the upstairs and also the downstairs rooms. But then the thermostat that's connected to the downstairs rooms turns on the heat for the downstairs living room. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird things like that, that every day we're finding new things where it's like, oh, that's why this doesn't work. Yeah. Or that's why this is weird, because they were all done by hand mm-hmm. and just in weird ways that I'm sure worked great for them, but don't work great for us. Yeah. Did you have a place to stay, Andrew, when you were looking for a house? Did you have somewhere else up here that you could um, move into and start your job and things like that? Or were you like looking for the house and then you were going to move? We bought the house in college and then moved to it after graduation. Really? Yes. Um, so there was there was a little bit of time uh, we, we had a summer to kind of do stuff while we were still figuring things out. Um, but then my in-laws live in Fond du Lac. So that would have been the closest place for us to mm. live while we we're getting things set up. Um, so how did you end up choosing Door County while you were in college? Because I don't think you or your wife grew up here. No. Um, so the first time that I came to Door County was, I would have to say, 2013. And that was on a trip with my wife and my in-laws. Um, we had been dating for... About a year, and then they took me on, like, the, the, the New Year's trip that they always take. So my wife was born in Chicago, raised in Fond du Lac, and then has been coming up to Door County two or three times a year every year since she was a baby. So they used to do family reunions up here every other year. Um, they would always do New Year's. They would celebrate New Year's in Door County. They'd come in the, in the summer, and they'd come in the fall. So this is kind of a home away from home from Victoria, and she like just all of her best memories growing up were here. So it was kind of a no-brainer. But a lot of people do that and they they fall in love with it and they're like, well, let's try renting for a while. You guys went all in. Yep. We went full bore. We we were really planning on hitting our theater company hard. So we figured that like we could stay in Minneapolis, which is where we went to college, and we could try to make connections there and start doing theater there. But that seemed to be more like I, I was definitely going to get roped into doing theatrical projection for, for places in Minneapolis. That was kind of where my career path was headed. Uh, but we decided that we really wanted to kind of do our own theater company. And we figured a place like Door County, which is so artistically inclined, but has a much smaller pool to choose from, might be a good shot for that, which is mm. why we decided to come over here. And we budgeted five years initially. We were going to like, let's do it for five years. If it doesn't work, then we can move back or we can move somewhere else. But we gave ourselves five years. And 
things started to fall in line. Now my in-laws, her parents are moving up here full time because they just opened Fika Bakery and Cafe. So everything kind of just just fell into itself. So the five-year timetable has changed. I don't need to be looking to replace you right. in the next couple. I'm going to be here for <laughs> as long as I possibly can be All right, here. Good. Um, but yeah, we we just we jumped in and tried to make it work, and and that's a privilege that we have as young people. We were able to just go, okay, let's try it and see what happens, and everything worked out. Because the reason I asked that is like, Aaliyah, you said you're fortunate you had somewhere to live while you were doing this search. And um, I know even Jim Schusler, the new head of the Door County Economic Development Corporation, when he took the job and went to move up here, he said it was actually really difficult to find apartments in the Sturgeon Bay area just to rent mm-hmm. that, right. um, that he could move into that, you know, he's uh, a mid-career guy. He's got a life that he's built up and it's hard to find an apartment that will work even in the short term for something like that. And for my wife and I, we started our search in Jan- late January. We had decided to, to make the move to move back here and, or in my case, move back here and for her to move up here and take a, take a shot at Door County Winters. And, but we knew we had to be, our lease in Chicago was ending May 1st. And our goal was to have a house by then. And it was, I knew what we were getting into, that it wasn't going to be easy, but it was, it's, it's kind of scary. Like other people who maybe would get a job and then you have two weeks, it's not like so many other markets where you can just count on, well, I'm looking for a three bedroom downtown or of, a, of this type. Like there's, you're not comparing apples to apples. You're comparing an apple to a rotting banana peel mm-hmm. on the side of the road in some cases right. or and you actually have to consider them because of what the the market might have in your price range up here there's not like all right we're in the 225 range and we're going to look at these a, a bunch of different houses that could work and it's just about negotiating and nitpicking it's like it's it's so different than any of the tv shows you'll see that mm-hmm. like house hunters or anything like that yeah right. you really have to keep your options open for what you're looking for what your expectations are and you know, yeah, we really like when we were looking, had to kind of widen our net and be like, this place could work if we did this addition or if we made these changes, which, yeah, to start with, you're not really hoping to go into it. With or that this view. would be great if we get it for one fourth of what they're asking. Yeah, right. right. Well, and you, you can't afford to be as granular here as you can be in other markets. I mean, if you go on Zillow and dial in exactly what you're looking for, you, you're you're not going to get very many hits. I mean, it, once you dial in your budget to something that's reasonable and select like house, so you're not looking for townhomes or condos or lots or anything mm-hmm. like that, you have maybe across the entirety of Door County, 50 options at a time. Right. I mean, and that's the whole tip from, yep. right. Like you can sort by county and, and we, we define everything by like Door County up here. And it's, that's like, it's too big. I mean, even like when we write, put out the newspaper each week, it's pretty daunting when you go, well, if it was just like, if we were just covering one city council, that would actually, we could do so much more with it, but we we're covering 19 municipalities right? and that huge mileage difference between Gills Rock. And um, so because we're on that peninsula, it, it's so different depending on how far north you go. Right. Well, and the market changes so slowly too. I mean, you might look one time and have 50 options and then you might check again five months down the road and see maybe four or five new things come onto the market. Right. I mean, things yeah, move very slowly. Mm-hmm. They, those services in Door County, you know, you can sort by price, you can sort by bedrooms, you can sort by a few other factors. They really should have a checkbox where you could, in Door County, 
sort by internet access. Mm-hmm. And if you could yeah. like do a drop down and just, I mean, you it would really narrow down your search and save you a lot of time. So real estate agents out there, find a way <laughs> to do some programming, work with Zillow, work with your own people and filter by Frontier, Door County Broadband. Well, the worst part is even even using specialized tools to try to find where internet access is in the county, that just goes by their advertised internet rates online. Like if I look at- It doesn't at, account for bluffs or right. trees in the way. If I were to look at my parcel and, and, and sort through the different internet options that it has, that it says is available to me, I would be, I'm thrilled because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I could get such good internet, but I can't. I mean, it, it shows Frontier. It says one to 10 megabytes per second. I mean, that's not realistic. Even if I was on three to five, that would still be fine. Mm-hmm. But- like one is it's hard it's hard with one or it'll say you know all sorts of stuff about like satellite internet but those things have data caps and i use a lot of data i think everybody uses a lot of data now because yeah if you're streaming in hd i mean that's something that people expect to be able to do that takes up a lot of your bandwidth yeah our neighbors at the place we're staying at right now have a satellite and it is like we can watch our one netflix show a month right and that's <laughs> that's kind of what they do but i mean they're not big users anyways, but they, they definitely approach it with that in mind, right? which is well, funny. And the other thing, too, is it's not just about being able to watch Netflix or being able to go on Facebook or stuff like that. Uh, one thing that I've really been interested in doing for our, our home but haven't been able to because of the Internet plan that we have is updating our security and things like that. We have an Amazon Alexa but that uses a significant portion of our bandwidth. It slows us down. I would love to be able to get a Nest thermostat to be able to save money per month by, you know, manually controlling my thermostat from work or or that kind of stuff. I'd love to be able to get a smart lock on my doors so I can make sure that those are locked when I'm home. Or be, you, you know, lock have, your doors? I, well, I'm not going to say if I do or don't <laughs> on the podcast, but um, it, it would be great to have all of those things, but it just it's impossible given the internet that I have. You know what I mean? So, right. so even beyond just watching Netflix, it would be awesome to be able to make my house smarter and more energy efficient and all of those kind of things, but I don't have that option. Mm-hmm. Aside from price... What was the primary factor, I guess, that drove in, in your search and, and your decision making on the house you bought? Like, what was top of mind? Um, another top of mind thing for us was location. I mean, knowing that in the winter, you don't want to be driving too far, um, as mm-hmm. well as we didn't want to go too far north. What you kind of mentioned earlier is obviously some of those bigger items and things we need to get further south in Sturgeon Bay slash Green Bay, you know, we don't want to have to drive all the way from Gills Rock area every time. So we're kind of looking at a central location as really where we honed in on and then didn't want to move too far outside of that. And then... And your uh, husband also has to fly periodically. Right, yeah. Just like my wife. Right. So we didn't want to put ourselves too far away um, from those utilities and um, but then the other thing I think was bedrooms and just the size and land, which with our situation, we ended up getting a nice acreage, which is important, especially when you're thinking about the investment and that long-term price. Yeah. Yeah. That was really similar for us too. And I would say that if we were, if we were able to do it all again, our priorities have changed now. And we would be looking for different things. So like you said, we wanted someplace that was central. We could get to Sister Bay or to Sturgeon Bay within 30 minutes. Um, We'd be able to get down to Green Bay if we needed to. That was important for me 
when we when we bought our house. Now, not so much. I mean, I go down to Sturgeon Bay primarily to get dog food, and <laughs> I could easily get a different type of dog food. But it, it is one of those things where it's like, well, I have to go to Sturgeon Bay. Like, I at least have to go down there. So the dog food's keeping me there. <laughs> but if I could do it again, I would move to Sister Bay and probably not go to Sturgeon Bay nearly as much as I do now. And Green Bay was a huge allure to us when we first bought because it's like, oh, we'll be able to get down there and get whatever we need. But I can count the amount of times I've been down to Green Bay in the past year on one hand. Right. So <laughs> it just, it didn't factor in the way that we thought it was going to. Yeah. Plus with the the Piggly Wiggly's expansion and a lot of the cool new stuff that's come up into Sister Bay, there there's pretty much everything that we might need, uh, especially as a young family, right there. So the need to to go south into Sturgeon Bay or Green Bay isn't isn't nearly as as important to us as we thought it was going to be. For me, growing up, I had I grew up in Egg Harbor and loved it and felt really lucky there. But I also grew up on like a one mile stretch that there just happened to be a lot of young families at that time. So like my bus would fill up in the mile from my house to the highway, maybe like 20 to 25 kids within a couple of years of me. Now there's there's like very few kids, not only on that road, but in all of Egg Harbor. And Sister Bay has not just a lot more kids, but like young adults like myself. So when I was looking, we looked everywhere. We looked basically everywhere from Carlsville to Ellison Bay. We looked at 30 some houses on two different weekends. It was exhausting. Um, <laughs> and I pity our real estate agent who had to do that. But when I looked, I was looking for a location. I hate to drive. I, I just like don't like any time I, I spend in the car. I usually use it to listen to podcasts now, but, or I use it with my headset to knock out phone calls that I need to. But I'd rather just like walk or bike to work. So I was we were really looking to get like in Bailey's Harbor so we could just make life so much easier working here. We ended up in Sister Bay. We're thrilled that we ended up there, but it, it's a small thing, but you, you take like a 10 mile commute to and from work every day and just the mileage on your car. It's not even that bad. I mean, people do two hour drives in the suburbs and stuff, but I'm, I'm just like not a guy who wants to be behind the wheel that often. So right. you add that up. I lived in Chicago where I put about four to 6,000 miles a year on my car. And that was with coming back and forth to Door County several times. And once you live up here, you're talking 15 to 20,000 miles a year. Yeah. It's a lot of mileage. That's another thing that's, I mean, right now I'm not living very close to Bailey's Harbor. So it is a drive every day, but even just going around to do the things you want to do within the County, it's definitely more driving. Yeah. Well, and I like, I bought my first car when I was 23. I never had one growing up because I never needed one. When I was in high school, I could walk to school. Um, then I got my first job in town, so that wasn't a big thing. Um, when I moved, when I w- worked out of town, I was living with my sister, and she worked in the same building as I did, so I would carpool with her. Then I went to college in the city, and I could jump on the light rail to get to work every day. So I never needed a vehicle growing up. It wasn't until I moved here that I was like, oh, I need to get a car now. Yeah. Because there aren't a lot of options for public transportation in no. Door County. But yeah, that is that is another thing. And it's like, I'm so used to that like 10, 15 minute commute that if if I had to, like even if I moved to Sister Bay, it would still be about 15 minutes to come to work in Bailey's Harbor. But that's one of the big things where I'm like, man, I don't want to move to Sturgeon Bay because that means 30 minutes to work. And it doesn't seem like a lot, but it, it feels like it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's 30 minutes. That's an hour a day. That's five hours a week. That. I don't know. My life always seems super busy. So if I can, if I can save a few of those minutes, I, I always want them. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's 
probably going to do it for us this week. Thank you both for coming in and chatting about this. This is this is such an interesting you know topic. I mean, we didn't even get into affordable housing too, options for people who are working up here in the summer, and we'll probably spend a whole podcast talking about that some at some point down the line. It's it's interesting in that how much Door County is changing, and that that need to bring especially young families into the county. That 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 these are the challenges that they have to face. Finding housing for a young family is is difficult, and it, and it is with all of its you know challenges. But it is something that is possible. So mm-hmm. there is mm-hmm. that. And uh, for those listening, if you if you have some experiences um, in your housing search or some feedback for us, I'd love to hear it. My email address is miles m y l e s at pulse.com. and it might be informative for our sustainability issue when we address a lot more issues related to the housing hunts, seasonal housing, and affordable housing in Door County. Right. And if you're an internet service provider and you want to hook me up with better internet, you can reach me at <laughs> Andrew K at PeninsulaFilmworks.com. I'd love to hear from you because, <laughs> man, oh, man, I would like faster internet. Ditto. Ditto on that. Well, thanks a lot, and we will talk to you again next week. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit DoorCountyPulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.